Hello and welcome along to G'day GEA, brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. Great to be here on a Saturday afternoon. We've never done a podcast on a Saturday before. We haven't, yeah. Um, we're in St Kilda West, Giggles' house. Thanks for having us, Giggles. No worries, lads. Great to have Shawnee back with us again. Shawnee, you've been missing Thanks, lads. last week. Just last, last week. week, yeah. We yeah. had Pa in the substitute last week. Yeah, and Pa did well in fairness. He's, well. dro- he's dropped for this week now. It's a good interchange to have, though, in fairness. Very he's good. quality player coming on. Yeah, he's good. He's a good man to bring in from the bench. <laughs> we all have to up our game when Pa sits in because he's he's got some great insights and he does his homework in fairness. Though. He actually brought his homework. He brought like a notebook with a blue him. blue notebook. Yeah, with all his little stuff written into it. No, yeah. he was very good There's in fairness. There's no flies in Pa, O'Neill. No, no flies in Pa. Um, so obviously it's Saturday, lunchtime here in Melbourne. It's... Oh, six o'clock in the morning in Ireland. We have to get this podcast out in the next hour or two because people will be travelling up to the matches. Yeah. It's a bumper weekend ahead. On today's show, we're going covering preview of Galway and Clare, which is on later on today, and Cork and Limerick tomorrow. And we'll also be looking at some of the movers and shakers already in the management. Merry go round. We have a, a new manager in, in Waterford. Giggles is very excited to talk about that as we finish up. And also, we're going to talk about. Another, I suppose, bad PR exercise for the GEA and how they've handled the Lean Miller charity game. That's obviously kind of coming to a close now, but we look back at another, I think, own goal by the GEA on that one. But first up, we got some. T- we got a, a tweet in um, on the Twitter from Richie and Kilkenny saying, even though he loves a pop-off Kilkenny, it's very good to hear the views of a new pundit, Powell Neal. He brings a different approach with his in-depth analysis, a very shrewd appointment from the G'day GEA team, Richie and Kilkenny. No, he is dropped now, um, Richie. He, but uh, he's on contract, Richie. So we <laughs> he, we can only afford to pay him for a few episodes. That's it. He's big wages. But yeah, no, it was good. Like we said, good to get him on. Do you get some other feedback on him as well, though, from Kilkenny people? Not as not as nice with that because uh, he was quite harsh in Kilkenny in ways. You know, constructive, some would say, but otherwise it might have been a bit OTT. He was probably as harsh as right. you would have been on Cork if they had lost Liam. To yeah, be fair, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I didn't have, I didn't have an issue with him. I didn't have an issue with him. But some people in Kilkenny, I, stuff that I can't repeat on air. The truth hurts with the Kilkenny lads. Oh once. God, all tough now, Shani. Um, yeah. So that was it. You can get us on Twitter on @gda_ga, Instagram @gda_ga, and gda_ga at gmail.com. Also got some feedback on my intro that I do a different voice for the O'Neill's part. But yeah. that's just the level of professionalism bring to this. <laughs> um, so smooth. If I could keep that voice up for the whole thing, who knows what gig I could get next. We'd be totally have a head wrecked. <laughs> He'll be turning up on advertisements in your radio yeah. stations across yeah. the country now. Across. I'll have to do up a little sound bites and get, send them off. But anyway, coming up first, let's have a look at Galway and Clare. Like the legend of the phoenix with beginnings What keeps the planet spinning Ah uh, The force from the beginning We're now got in past the injury time Kelly has to go for distance The referee doesn't blow his whistle Ball comes out towards Dolan Dunaway Claire have the ball Patrick O'Connor sends it into the centre They have to hold possession The referee gets out of the way Hand passes on Dolan Dunaway is the left corner back He hits it He hits it It's over the bar Oh Holy Moses What a match I have never experienced anything like it Blow it up ref Blow it up By Gavin Blow up the final whistle Surely he's looking at his watch And he's blown the final whistle it's a draw for the second year in a row. First up of the All-Ireland semi-finals this weekend, we've got Galway and Clare. First time, I think, in the history of the GEA, we've got semi-finals on the same weekend, a Saturday and a Sunday. Giggles was making the call a couple of weeks. I don't think he said it off air, Giggles. So why don't they both play them on the same day, fill, fill out Crow Park? We'll touch on Cork and Limerick, but that's going to be nearly a sellout, Giggles. So I believe. Yeah, yeah. there's nearly over 70,000 tickets sold for that one. So 
look, you're not doing the books for the GA there. They'll be, <laughs> be down a few pounds for this weekend. But as a neutral looking into this weekend, oh, I'd love to be at home going up to Galway clear a half five staying the night in Dublin and going again on, on Sunday it's a great weekend ahead isn't it I, so think, I think there'll definitely be an element of nearly majority of clear and Galway people will do that I'd say some Limerick and Cork people will do it and then the amount of neutrals that will do it will be ridiculous and anyone living in, in Dublin that had any thoughts of going home training for the weekend or anything like that well, I'm sure are putting that on hold and, and staying in Dublin for the weekend as well they're, they're going to be two cracking matches yeah I, and I think the build up all week is Everyone's kind of angling towards Galway. Um, and I suppose All-Ireland champions, fair enough. But I think, you know, Clare have a real chance coming to this game. The two games are going to be completely different in, in, in what they're going to bring from a spectator's point of view. Um, but looking, I suppose, from a neutral point of view, I suppose the big standout for me is I can't wait to see John Conlon and Dahi Burke yeah. go head-to-head. Yeah. Like, like, we haven't had this full forward, full back Thing Since Shelley and Lowen. Yeah, no, but for a long time, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah. we haven't had these like marquee fullbacks and marquee full forwards. Sullivan and, and whoever else from Yeah, maybe Martin Comfort from Kilkenny yeah. back. Yeah. That's over 10 years ago. Yeah. So that is, I think, one of the key battles, surely, where the game could be won or lost on tonight. Yeah, it is. And do you know, thinking about it, like, you, you've seen it in Munster Championships before, especially, especially in Munster Championships, where you've got somebody who sets the world alight in the Munster Championship, but then as the year goes on, their kind of performances kind of dip a small bit and that's probably for a couple of reasons one you can't perform at such a high level consistently throughout the whole year but two especially if you're a forward you get tagged and you get earmarked and I, I say I go back and use the Dan Shanahan maybe example of 2007 uh, Dan was setting the Munster Championship alight and I think he had seven of his eight goals scored in the Munster Championship and then by the time he got to play Limerick in the All-Ireland semi-final he, I think he got four points in play and was very good but you know Limerick had him, it worked out and I think John Conlon could be in danger of being in that position now everyone has him year marked his hurdler of the year he's having a fantastic year but coming up against Dahi Burke this weekend who is the best fullback as you said classic fullback probably the best fullback in 20 or 30 years since, since O'Sullivan and Lohan they, they, they're, the last, they're the last two fullbacks to be like JJ's a wingback he played two years of fullback JJ's but he played a lot longer of fullback but, but um, I think I think I can Easy. see I can see Dahi Burke um, really getting the better of John Conlon this weekend and I think that will blunt in the clear attack in the forward line in particular yeah I, I like it is it is the one matchup I think everybody's going to be looking at especially the neutrals um, and everybody's talking about it um, I think John Conlon it, it, all, it all really depends on how Clare's game plan comes to fruition and if they can drag the, the bigger Galway lads around the park it really hinges on what they do with McInerney at number 6 as well because uh, whether they'll try and drag him out whether, whether they put Tony Kelly in on him and try and drag him around the place or whether they play Tony Kelly in midfield I think t- Tony Kelly is just as much a fulcrum for Clare as, as John Conlon is because that long ball won't work every time because more often than not um, a full back or any back really likes to see a direct ball coming in a long ball like you know I think Kelly is really going to be a mainstay and what he does and how cl- how clear it actually will go and I think Kelly has started to click into form just on time for him because they need it like you said it's it, that's such an important battle as well for, for Clare but interestingly going back a few months ago to that interview that Ozzy Gleeson did with Joe Malloy off the ball around Gerard Mack actually followed him yeah. in the final last year even though Ozzy Gleeson did that yeah. so I think Gerard Mack will, fo- will follow Tony Kelly I think yeah. Tony Kelly will start at 11 but pulling and dragging doesn't see didn't didn't matter. Well, Ozzy Gleeson probably sat in a bit more in that game. It'll be interesting to see how he will well, that play might, that. That might suit um, that might suit the matchup with, with Burke and and, uh, and Conlon inside as well. Because if if Kelly do, or Kelly does pull McInerney out, there's there is that space that Conlon tries on. They did it in the first half against Cork in the in the Munster final, and exploited Cork. And now I know Callan and, and Burke are two different fullbacks, and you can't really put them <laughs> in the same bracket. Especially not your giggles, um, um, but in saying that, like I think if he, if he's given that space, Conlon will expose it, and a lot of fullbacks if he's given that space. Well, the the thing that Clare will do, and I've no doubt they'll do it, is they'll start their full forward line with Podge at number thirteen, and Podge will drift out to centre forward, and he'll play the whole game at number eleven or in and around that area. And what that does is it allows Tony Kelly to go back into midfield in his own half-back line, get the ball, and kind of run between the two forty-fives, and he can score from anywhere in, in there, right? So. The thing we don't know what Michael Dunne, who was going to do, and if, if I was a manager, I don't know what I'd do, to be honest, either, is 
as your point, Liam, do you allow Garou McInerney to follow Tony Kelly out that far? And then if he does that and Podge goes centre forward and the cornerback marks him, then you're left, but this is perfect for Clare then because you've got John Conlon and Shane O'Donnell inside and a two-man full forward line. And that's any full-back line's worst nightmare, no matter how good you are, whether you're Dahi Burke or wh- whoever you are. Um, so it's a very hard one to call I can't imagine Gerard McInerney doing what he did with Ozzy Gleeson because Watford's approach was a lot more uh, specific in terms of playing the sweeper whereas Clare's is more fluid and dynamic in terms of how they play so a, a lot of it will actually depend on how the Clare half-back line go I, I, in my view because if the Clare half-back line are under pressure it doesn't matter where the Clare forwards go they yeah. won't be getting that ball into Shane O'Donnell and John Conlon no. into the corners that they like to get it and the Clare half-back line they, they came up against Limerick who's the only half forward and I can see that's as good as the Galway one but Limerick totally f- fell on the face that day look at the Galway half forward line this weekend of Cooney Canning and they won't start Johnny Glynn wing forward they'll probably start Cooney wing forward who's in a class act and they'll probably put Johnny Glynn in a full forward I can't see the Clare half-back line getting on top, no matter what way I look at it. I think they're probably the weakest half-back line in the competition that are left, and I just don't see their forward line getting the supply that they'll need to, to trouble the Galway backs. Yeah, I think that's a real issue for Clare, is the supply getting into that, into that forward line, because they have done very well, and all the Clare from midfield, even half-backs up, have been scoring up until this point. Like It was an interesting article from Enda McAvoy and the Kenny people this week about Kilkenny to go find scoring forwards for next year because if you looked at the spread of scores or from all the other teams in the competition their forwards were scoring yeah. whereas Kilkenny only had I think two forwards from players scored the last day whereas Clare have had a spread right throughout the line under half forward line their full forward line and from, from the wing back up wing back up yeah so like you said Giggles if that goal with half forward line is so powerful and so strong and if they do stop that Clare ball coming out you would worry about Clare um going into this game but on that as well it is a strange place that we're in this year with the All-Ireland semi-finals we're dealing with a provincial loser and a provincial winner in this game and they've all played over five games already this year yeah. and Jackie Turner made that point in, in his article in the, in the Irish Times during the week that you know Kilkenny be, in days gone by we've been in the Ireland semi-final have played two games yeah. and the All-Irelands you know, and the all as, as people would say but Galway are there this year as provincial champions and they've played six games Yeah, think, you know what I mean yeah. like it's a lot different the, uh, everyone knows where the, Jackie's point in the, in the article was everyone knows where they stand now <coughs> whereas before going into All-Ireland semi-finals you know, as a provincial winner, you, you mightn't mm. have been tested. Mm. You know, or you, you, how, where are we at? Yeah. So that's why th- these games are even more enthralling, given the whole backstory that we've had so far. And that's the way, and that's the way they're, like tactics and their game plan and like managers' knowledge of their team. They know their team so well now. Like they do know their teams. They might not have the best number sixes or the best number threes or the best number elevens on their team, but they know how to adapt. Like, you know, they, yeah. they, they've, they've had the, I guess, the practice through the championship series this year and they know how to set things up. And I think you alluded to those old, uh, giggles about Glenn going full forward. I mean, if Glenn does go in full forward, like McInerney obviously would pick him up in there, that'll be another as good a battle on that side of the on that side of the field as as going down the other full back line as well. That's and, true. You know, you've got a target man like Glenn, like the half hour line might not be used at all. You know, they might be going route one into Glenn the whole time, which yeah. is what they did in the last game. So it's just it's every every line is just intriguing. Like you just you, you we could go here now for the next hour on about each and every matchup yeah. and permu- permutations, who's gonna be on who and who could go here and go there. But it's just it's and everybody is giving that Galway that little edge, and just a flyby. So the way they've gone through the yeah. championship this year, but and they're I think champions. Yeah, but the thing is, Clare, Clare love, Clare love the big stage as well. Like, and Clare will love the open spaces of Crow Park. And I think if Clare can just click into gear and get get that performance they got in the first half against Cork, if they can get that motoring and try and hold on to that as long as they can. Like they'll stretch Galway all over yeah. the place, I think. And like regardless of how good and, and big and physical Galway are, they will stretch him. Yeah. And I think look, it comes down to probably as well, we've seen in all these games so far in the championship this year, is how teams are finishing in that last twenty minutes. And hurling has gone from a game where you might be sixteen, seventeen man game to now it's a full twenty man game. Like all, they've been emptying yeah. the bench right throughout the championship and you can see that going today as well, that Galway probably do have the stronger bench. Yeah. They probably have more to draw upon and I think that could be a key factor coming in down the stretch in, in this game that if Galway one or two forwards aren't firing they, they have big yeah. options there 
we see uh, Conor Cooney is actually starting now and Niall Burke drops to the bench but we do have Jason Flynn that can come in with like you know yeah. like what options to have yeah. you know the guy that started the first two games from Clarenbridge as well the corner forward what was his oh, name oh the young fella Clare have Conor McGrath now as well it's not as if Clare yeah. don't have options but like you, you would as a Galway man you'd be very happy seeing those boys coming in yeah, I think I think at a Galway hurling, I was listening to Sherlock Nan actually, and they were talking about his stint in Galway, and one of the biggest problems Galway had for years was one they were straight into an All Ireland semi final up until some point in the mid noughties then they were thrown into this kind of qualifier group when they did the group stages, and it was I think it was 2011 or 2012, whatever year it was, when they came into Leinster, they suddenly started to get more consistent hurling before the knockout periods, and I think that served them well. It took them a few years, obviously, to get the All Ireland. But now this format even suits Galway even more because what you could always say about Galway in the past was that they had quality players, but did they have the bottle to finish? But at the same time, they were kind of hampered by the situation they were in in Connacht and not being given a, a real championship to participate in. Whereas now Michael Donoghue and whoever is the Galway manager going forward will always know his best team coming into a semi-final. Yeah. And I just I think the new format is going to serve someone like Galway a lot better than any other county because of maybe the hampering they've had in their history over the last 30 or 40 years. So Galway are coming in here now. My, my own opinion is I look at every single line for Clare and for Galway and people are talking about hypothetically, oh, and Clare get to Crow Park to set the place alight. That was five years ago, that team. I can't see anything... Barra Galway win because in every they single been there since. in every, no. and they haven't been there since. But in every single position, I'm giving the tick to the Galway guy. Every single position, I don't think Clare, with maybe the exception of Tony Kelly, that's the only person I can see breaking. I, I I just think Galway are way more powerful, way more strong. They got their kick in the arse against Kilkenny potentially. They feel like they're still hurling in third gear, and if they break loose on Sunday, I I I I I just think they'll beat Clare very well. Yeah, look, I'm I'm the same. I really think. Galway are going to come through tonight. Um, and look, you did think made a reference to it on I think it was last week's podcast that Galway hadn't been tested yet, but like I think they were tested against Kilkenny. They were put to their pin or the collar. Now they came through six seven points in, in that replay, but they were nearly gone the first day. Mm. If Kilkenny had been yeah. the record, they could have been gone. So I think they're battle hardened. I think they're ready to go. And I agree with Giggles. I don't think they'll win every battle on the field, but if you look man for man. If you're just stacking them up on paper, they are that, that bit ahead probably up Baron maybe. Yeah, look, I'm agree with the two of you guys, and and yes, I do. T- I do think they will win when we get to the nominations here. I reckon they will win. It's just I think because of the the, the new form of the championship, like teams know know themselves a bit more and they know what they're capable of and how to move things around. I think they will they will be that close, that much closer to Galway than people think. And I think they will trouble Galway for periods of this game and for a lot longer periods than people think, I reckon. But yes, I do I do think they have individually better parlours and they have more strength and depth. I mean, that always goes goes in favour of Galway. Galway by how much, Shani? I'd say Galway by three points. Seven. Seven. I don't know, Galway by four. Um, it's on at half five, is it? Half five Irish time? I believe so, yeah. Half five Irish time, half so, two in the morning, well. our time. I'm not going to watch it live I'll watch it tomorrow morning Shawnee don't log in before me I'll be watching it I hope Sean all gets up before Henry I'd say lovely. you can use the Gailey Park account oh jeez giggles it's the Gailey Park listen. I actually don't have to log in for that if you're logged in in the morning I'll, I'll get text up you, I'll text you when I get up in the morning alright okay we can talk about that off air <laughs> and yeah I'm looking for I can't wait to, I'm actually told Tanya you can log in tomorrow Tanya I'll get up so I'll be getting up I'll be getting up to watch up that straight away I can look forward to it um, okay coming up next we're going to have a look at the second semi-final, Shawnee's Cork, he is, he's feeling very confident. He said he was looking at flights during the week, so <laughs> uh, we'll have a look at that in a bit of depth now. Guy Henry stood up to a penalty, toughest penalty he was ever going to face in his life. You know everything riding on it. He just buried it. You know and. And was it a penalty, Brian? Do you think? Well, Dermot Kerwin certainly gave a penalty. I mean, I, I, if you want to start wondering about all of the frees in the course of the game, you'll have a fairly, fairly busy time. Did you think yourself as a penalty, Marty? Well, I wasn't too sure, but it, it just seemed a little bit dodgy in, in the replay. 
I have no idea, Marty. Did you check all the other frees as well to see where they dodged on? Maybe you should. Maybe you should. In, in terms of the referee, did you, were you pleased overall? I'm sure you are now, considering you've won the All-Ireland. But did you think he allowed a lot to go? Oh, Marty, please, give me a break. With, uh, the referee, uh, referee, we're supposed to say nothing about referees. I make a habit of saying absolutely nothing about referees. During McCurman, I was, I'm certain in my head, was going out to be the very, very, very best he possibly could be. You seem to have had a problem with him. You tell me. Second semi-final is just as exciting as the first one, if not more. We've got Shawnee up to 90 here. He says he's getting up at 5 o'clock. Oh, no, you're going to watch that one live, Shawnee? I'm going to watch that one live. I'm going over to Power Neil's house. We're going to sit down and watch that and that's take notes a, for the next podcast. That's on a four, actually, I think. Yeah. Half three. Oh, I thought. So it's half midnight three, here. Half past midnight. Yeah. Start, yeah. Half past midnight yeah. is the technical term. Yeah. So you'll be <laughs> up late with that one, Shawnee. That, that'll be a yeah. great one to watch live. Oh, if I'm awake in bed, I will get up and watch it, maybe. But I'll see how I'm going. Um huge interest in this game ticket sales by Thursday was over 60,000 they're expecting 70 to 75,000 for an Ireland semi-final in Crow Park Limerick are bringing 35,000 tickets have been sold already supposedly down there yeah. and yeah. Cork we know all Look, travel numbers Cork, amazing Cork and Limerick supporters like I mean Limerick have a, have a very very proud tradition of just sport in general the way they follow their teams and their and their sport in Limerick so the occasion is just going to be like electric up there I would just love to be going off the Crow Park on Sunday to watch that it'd be just no. brilliant just yeah. walking up Jones's Road heading into the oh. yeah especially if going to Crow Park for a full house like you can't beat it and like yeah. that game it's going to be a enthralling battle um, we've had a couple of scares during the week for Cork Seamus Hardy was an injury doubt pulled up tight with a hamstring again after a challenge match to Cork Country once but he has been named to yeah, start he has been named and look I, I'm a bit sceptical about that too I think this uh, these type of things always come up <clears> before <throat> big games you know how many times have you seen before you know one of the big marquee players oh there's a doubt about this and they go out and they absolutely yeah. run riot he'll probably have a bandage around his hamstring now alright like but the only thing is like I suppose this like this game for me compared to Clare Galway is like going to be ebb and flow mm. a point here or there to be honest be but much closer yeah. be, I think it'll be more and, and the two styles are very similar both rely a lot on their goalie from their puck out strategy to get the ball into their full forward line but if Seamus like for me you've got the two Cork forwards who have absolutely dragged them through the championship are Horgan and Harnady and like Harnady in particular, when the chips were down, he'd score one, two, or one, three in that last 15 minute spell. If his hamstring is under pressure, and let's say he gets 40 minutes out of it, or he, or he can go at 90%, it'll make a huge difference for Cork, and probably from a negative perspective. It'll, yeah, it'll probably be a two or three point difference without him, if he is injured, if oh. he can't play. He's a he's yeah. a sign, like he's their leader. He's their captain. Yeah. He's he's a serious player. Like he's one of the top players in the country at the moment. You have to kind of say that. A, a big target for puckouts as well. And, and but he's been there when they've been un, un, under pressure. Like yeah. he's that's, really yeah, stepped up and he scored a goal against Clare. Against Clare to bury it. You know what I mean? Got, he won a puck out. I remember. I can't remember. Was it against Limerick? Or who it was when there were chips were down, he won the puck out, put the ball over the bar to put Cork that point up in that game Limerick. against Limerick. Yeah. And then what's his name? Flanagan went down and got the equaliser. But he stands up every time. And if he's if he's not a hundred percent or he's not playing to the best of his ability, Cork will be in trouble because everyone else comes off him, whether it's Lehan or mm. Horgan or Kingston or whoever's in there. Yeah, I think I think yeah. And and the and the only thing on that as well is like like I said earlier on there, Lehan is is due a big game like Leanne, due a massive game due a massive game and he he does tend to do that and he's historically done that over the last few seasons he'll he'll turn up in games and just put in a huge performance he hasn't done that consistently this year but he hasn't been very bad either this year he's been in and out of Six, games 6, 7 out of 10 every game yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so like that's where I think <clears throat> if we're like going into it I mean I think look we we've discussed previously on on the issues with the backline the center back and the full back I think look Cadigan center back he's based on the Munster final he's got a lot of credibility now what he oh. did with no and uh, what he did on um what's his name uh doing far for Clare Tony Kelly no, no Duggan Duggan, Duggan. Yeah. he completely nullified Duggan in that game um he's solid he's not he's not an out note hurling center back he's just solid and he will do a job there. He's starting, um, is he ahead of us? He's starting yeah. centre-back. Um, Cahillan is the doubt. When you have Flanagan, um, 
Gillan and Mulcahy in the full forward line. They'll be taken up by the two cornerbacks, Colum Splan and um, Donahue. Donahue. Callan is the only doubt there, but I think he'll be okay. Yeah. I think he'll be okay. I think with, with Cadigan outside him, I think he'll be solid there. Mm. Midfield, we're pretty pretty steady and we should go well there against... Uh, yeah. Yeah, look... J- but it's just, it's just the forward line and I think that's where, like, if Harney is, is doubtful, I think Lehan will... We'll step have up. to step up, and he has to step up in this game. And then, like we know, we all know what Harga can do. Yeah. No, look, I think I think Cork from eight nine up are, are probably fairly strong. I think six and three are still vulnerable. I think Giggles will probably say the same. Jackie Turley's article in the Times as well just thinks mm. Limerick tick all the boxes. They're a bit more balanced in defence. Whereas Cork, I know you're saying Cadigan now has credibility after one game, but it's a big ask again. Like. Up in Crow Park, he hasn't done, has a lot of hurling behind him. I'd be worried about I'd be worried about six and three for Cork yeah. still. I st- I think Dimba can get get at them there. And the, and the one thing I'd say, speak. Let's keep on the six and three team for the moment. Like on the flip side, then on Limerick, you've got Declan Hannon, who's a fantastic hurler. And I think one of the most unsung heroes this year for Limerick Mike is Mike Casey. Casey. Mike Casey yeah. So we, we go back to our podcast earlier in the year, right? And I think we were probably a bit harsh on Conor Callaghan because the hype was massive. But then go back to look at the man who man-marked him for those two games was Mike Casey. And he was not, not that heard of in, in I said that, yeah. outside, outside of Limerick at the time. But every single game that's gone, people have talked about the Limerick full backline being the weak link. I think Sean Finn is nailed on for the all-star number two. I think Mike Casey has been phenomenal. He's probably come up against Dahi Burke, unfortunately for him. And the English, everyone has said, is a weak link. But he's played phenomenally well all year. So I, I think I agree with Liam in terms of the balance of the Limerick team is phenomenal phenomenal the one worry I guess I have for Limerick is can their half forward line produce that display that they produced the last day again so the shot the lights out against Kilkenny uh, Kyle Hayes hit no wide Morrissey hit no wide and the other half forward Hegarty was unbelievable and I think those three guys clicked in the one game against Kilkenny and they got over the line I haven't seen the three of them click and you see, you've seen the three of them in and out of games before um, so if they can produce that performance like they did against Kilkenny I've no doubt Limerick will win but the question mark is can they produce that performance that's the thing I think we had six of your forwards score it was a 118 they scored against Kilkenny in total no it didn't Tw- score a goal 28 points or something like that F- from play what was it from play 24 points from play 24 well, points from play like like if you were to say that Limerick can get 24 points from play they're going to win the match well you have you have Coleman you have Cadigan and you've got Christopher Joyce the half back line up yeah. against him Coleman I, I wouldn't have a lot of worries about Coleman the only thing with Coleman is in the air and he has, hasn't really been tested that much in the air to, to say that's his weak link but Coleman's one of our best hurlers I think in the last think, two years yeah. Cadigan I, as I said and a fair point Liam is, is that's judging him in one game but I think that's he was brought out on the wing to Mark Duggan that time and I think he will he will be doing the same job on Hayes. I think he'll follow Hayes everywhere. He's not going to be a sitting centre back in front of Callan trying to protect him because I don't think you can no. do that in this day and age. Any and in, no. in the way hurling is. Well, Daniel Carney will come back from and half forward, and, and Cooper will drop yeah. as well. And Fitzgibbon, Fitzgibbon. Christopher Joyce has probably been the most consistent out of that half back line in, in mm. all year. He's probably been he doesn't get the plaudits that Coleman does because. Coleman does all the flashy things and, and slats over points and has these massive sideline cuts. Yeah. I think Joyce has been very good. Now, Pauniel, I was speaking to him and he doesn't have a lot of faith in him. Like, but <laughs> I think he's been very solid. Like, it's very rarely you've come across over the games this year and said, Jesus, Christopher Joyce was cleaned out yeah. in that game. But you know what's very interesting about the half-back line half? Because that's going to be the key battle, right? They're both midfielders will probably cancel each other out. They've got great midfield. But it's interesting. You know they say that the jobs of 20 years from now aren't even invented right now. Well, there's a job now called a hurling puck-out strategist. Have you ever heard that job before? He's working with so Henrik. there's a Kildallery man who worked with Cork called Sean O'Donnell, right? And he is a hurling puck-out strategist. That's his job. So people employ him in hurling circles to work on their puck-out strategy. I'd love to read the position description for that one. I know, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We might get Ronan Costello (laughs) a bit of work with Sean O'Donnell when he's at home, but... We he, the Limerick puck out has been phenomenal this year, like, and that's why Hegarty and Morrissey and Kyle Hayes have been so influential because they're working with this guy O'Donnell. They've got Nicky Quaid in the goal, who is fantastic, experienced goalie, and he's putting the ball either into the space or into the running man. 
and they've got they've robbed this guy from Cork, mm-hmm. so he's going to know yep. Nash's puck outs inside out. And the other interesting thing was this year the most frustrated game Anthony Nash played was against, against Limerick, Limerick yep. because every single one of his puck out angles were cut off by Limerick. And while Limerick only had fourteen men, Limerick should have won the game because Cork couldn't set up their platform. So it'll be hugely interesting from a strategic point of view to see the puck out strategies and again how that plays and the half forward line half back line kind of tactical battle and that battle around middle eight it's going to be this game is going to be phenomenal yeah, yeah. I'm really I'm really looking forward to it and I think in fairness though as well to Cork one thing they've really worked on this year I think Don Lomani was quoted in the in the paper during the week in the independent interview with Donica Boyle is how they put a big influence on building the team's character this year so I think we've seen with Cork over the years, especially the last 10 years since that, I suppose, that, that great team with the one dollar and the 3 and 4 they've fallen away in some big games. They've kind of went out without a whimper. Yeah. But we've seen this Cork team throughout the Munster Championship being looked dead and buried in a yeah. Munster final comeback. Even against Limerick when Limerick were down to 14 men, Cork were struggling. Yeah. They still eked out a result. Tipperary came back at them hard in that game and but they still got a result. So I think Carr coming into this game have a bit more resilience about them this year. You know, I think last year losing to Waterford really hurt them. They're back in an Ireland semi-final this year in Crow Park. I think they'll be feeling really good going into this. I, I, I can see a different... It's like Galway last year to a certain extent. There's a different mentality with Galway. There's a bit of steel about them. I think Cork have that yeah. bit of steel about them this year, which will be, I think, could be a... A percentage or two on the on the side of getting them over the line. Yeah. Did you know it's that different? Yeah, I was I was going to harp on that as well. Like did, like, come Sunday, Cork the Cork fifteen or the Cork twenty, whatever you want to whatever way you want to look at it, will have more experience than the Limerick team they're facing. Against Limerick, they were on their third third game on the trot, and they were down to fourteen men. So there was a bit of fatigue there that was important to note as well. Um, yes, Limerick did have the momentum. Um, so we've seen this in other teams where pe- teams have been tired and if they've, you know, they failed to get the result. Yeah. Cork got a result that day. They got a draw. They didn't lose. So from from my point of view, I think just Cork have that little bit of experience. Nash will learn from the Poco disaster that happened last year against Watford. Cork have won a, a semi-final. One, they've won one semi-final since 2006. So their semi-final... Uh, against Dublin. Their record isn't great. They've lost four of the yeah. last five semi-finals. So, I mean, <clears throat> th- that probably doesn't play a huge factor. But I think that experience will be with a lot of those Cork players. So, from my... Obviously, you know, I'm going I'm to tip Cork anyhow. But I, I genuinely think that Cork are probably going to win by... The smallest of margins, one point. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to actually use that point to argue against why Cork wouldn't get through, but uh, they, they have failed since they've got to Crow Park. The only win they have is beating Dublin, and you'd argue that if your man Ryan O'Dwyer wasn't yeah. sent off for Dublin that yeah. day, they wouldn't have got over the line. In saying that, they, they were within twenty seconds of winning yeah. that Ireland title that year as well. So, look, uh, it's, it's it's a phenomenal game. I'm I'm gonna I. I'm backing both teams with the best half-back line. And I think Limerick half-back line is a lot stronger than Cork. But in this game, I'm going to go with the draw. Oh, I, I, draw. I, can, I can see a draw and a replay the following week, absolutely. How much is the odds in that? I don't know. It's We'd probably 10-1. Yeah. yeah, look, I think it's going to be a really close game. And I'm going to go just to reverse the Shawnee, Limerick by a point. Limerick by a point. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think that's the way it's yeah. going to go. It's going to be a really high-scoring game. 28-29 points total up. It's, it's what's going to win it. Yeah, and I, I, I can I can see I can just think Limerick are going to edge it. I think I think Cork will put up a phenomenal performance. I think Limerick will too, and it's just going to come down to a score. Yeah. I think it's just going to come down to a score. So really looking forward to that one. Um, Sean, you'll be up watching it live, and hopefully then you'll be looking at flights on the Monday. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> All right, Cork are back. Cork are back. The Rebels are back. All right, coming up next, we're going to have a look at. Another Cork related matter and the Liam Miller charity game. In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Things were just going through my head, you know, and because, like, you know, I don't want to leave the people of Warford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Warford are my life, you know, and I, 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 love, I, love, I love my county, you know. We love John Dry your eyes, mate. I know it's hard to take, but her mind has been made up. There's plenty more fish in the sea. Okay, speaking about 
over the last few podcasts about some own goals that the GA have been making. We've seen another calamity with the handling of the Lee Miller charity match. Um, this has been well documented across all the media, in whether it's been print or on, online, the 42, podcasts, everything. We won't spend too much time in it, but I think just to, for people who are, who are not across it, or especially for people maybe here in Australia haven't been reading up on it, we've had a situation where there's a, a testimonial game being held for Lee Miller, former Irish international who also played for Manchester United Celtic and for Cork City, died of cancer, age 36, and the, the game has been held to, as a testimonial for his family and also for the hospice where he died. And they was originally fixed for Turner's Cross, 7,500 capacity, and it sold out in like two minutes. Mm. So yeah. a, a conversation arose whether the game could be held in Parky Cueve. The fairness to the Cork County Board, they were actually receptive of the idea. And then, obviously, the powers that be up in Crow Park told them in no uncertain terms that the game could not be held in Parky Cueve. And also released a statement to that effect and referenced in the statement that they had sought legal advice on it. Now, I think they included that in their statement because there was so much doing the rounds on Twitter, Joe Brawley, other lawyers advising that there was ways that by interpreting the rules of the GA that they could actually play the game in Parky Cueve. But to take a step back from it for a second, obviously, we didn't have any, I suppose, inverted commas, foreign games played in our in our stadiums until we allowed soccer and rugby into Crow Park. And as the rule stands, there Crow Park is the only stadium that's allowed to have those games played. Now, that's a rule, grant. But when this got put to the GEA, rather than coming out and saying, these are the rules, this is this, hindsight is brilliant, right? But it wouldn't have been great to get to the point where they're at now, where they're having a meeting with the management committee today, where they're probably going to more or less go, yeah, it's a charity match, and under that, it won't be deemed as a game, and it's probably going to get the go-ahead. Like, it seems they've been so reactive and getting on the front foot rather than pausing and taking everything into, taking everything into consideration. The, the worst part of it all, even, like, even going through all the rules, what stadium was actually in the package to go for 2023 World Cup rugby, yeah, right? Party, Just think about yeah. it from that angle. Parky Cueve is one of the main packs. So they've, they've, the Irish government, in conjunction with the GA and Sports Ireland, etc., have put forward an amazing pack. Now, they, unfortunately, we didn't get the Rugby World Cup, but Parky Cueve was on it. Like, so and got 30 million from the government. <laughs> so just, just uh, Liam, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. There's just too much bureaucracy, higher level dinosaur thinking that Damien Duff said. Now, I wouldn't be a big fan of Damien Duff, but he used the right word. They, they've, just, they've got the wrong PR machine, in certain circumstances and they've got an archaic decision making process that just needs to be re- reviewed yeah. and it's just a huge own goal from a reputation perspective yeah I think it's especially for what it's for you know what I mean like I think it just it goes against the ethos of the GEA in terms of looking after family looking after people a man who played the GEA played in Parky Cueve as a kid like it was just really upsetting seeing the song because the GEA does so many good things like yeah. like it really does and it does so much for community and really pulls together in times of hardship and looks after everyone that it's just that's not representative of what the GEA is about whether it's in Ireland or Australia or all over the world and that's for, what for me just reading the articles through the week and reading the as it was unfolding, I was like, lads, just sort this out. Because we all know where it's going to end up. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and that's what's really yeah. upsetting about it is we're going to get to the point where it's going to happen. And there's a, an article in the Irish Times this morning with Sean Moran saying, basically, there's, what there's going to be, there's going to be a, a GA game on before it. And a portion of the funds raised on the gate will go into a, a GA seriously injured players fund. Great. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's great. It, it aligns with what they're trying to do. So I think, th- I think the lesson learned... F- for me, for the GAs, don't be under- reactive straight away, going out like, no, this is the rules, this is this, like they did with Newbridge or Nowhere, like, just like, lads, yeah. settle down. Yeah. But also, I think, because we have these fantastic facilities and every county has a, a principal stadium, my thinking would be a proposal that goes up to Central Council that the county board has the right to decide what they want to do with their principal stadium, whether it be Nolan Park, Parky Cueve, Walsh Park, that they, that can be opened up. Yeah. I think you just do that. Just yeah. make that decision now. But if you're, yeah, I, I agree with that. But even going further than that, right? The whole background, like, so the GA is everyone. You're the GA, I'm the GA, Sean is the GA. The GA is every single person. And we sometimes say, oh, the GA did this. But, right, what we're really talking about is the decision making powers in Crow Park and the people who make that. So we're not talking about the GA, we're talking about the decision makers. Yeah. The whole council process is a disaster, or Congress process is a disaster. Like, you've got county boards making decisions that affect the whole thing you need to put together an executive 
management committee at Crow Park who can make these decisions in a kind of a best for the country example as opposed to these archaic guys going up who've been in the county council or the the, the, the council or the what do you call it county board for years and years and years it, it's just the wrong process for it now so you've got former players you've got really kind of in touch people got John Connolly Joe Connolly people like this who really know what's right for the GA and have them make the decisions as opposed to this horrible congress process that doesn't make any sense for anybody well they do have the management committee which is meant which handles the day-to-day affairs of dissociation as for the year so that affairs that has the art steward tom ryan who has not been seen uh, since he's been appointed like a fairness to park duffy he was a lot of people didn't like him at least he was he was visible he was visible and he and he would defend or whatever was going on he fronted up yeah and he went to the national media when it when it was when it was required of him and he he went to answer these questions like but you you had to google him there to see what he remember what his name was but but it goes to show how how invisible he is yeah yeah, 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 but this is the thing and like it's an embarrassment really like because we're as you said we're all part of the ga and and ga has brought us all together like we we wouldn't be doing this podcast here on without the GA. Yeah. Like everything about the GA is brilliant, but as you said, yeah, it's the people at the top. Like they have to really look at it. Like the way they're handling it publicly and like the marketing side of things. Like it's just lets them all down so much. Like because they do so good. Like yeah. yeah, I think that's just where the disconnect is. It's the disconnect between grassroots. The, the I suppose the feeling and sentiment of the members, whether it's all over Ireland or all over the world compared to what's up above who are representing I suppose our interests as yeah. GEA people and look there is definitely lots of good people there as well with good intentions True, yeah, yeah. but I do think they're being poorly advised like you know what I mean I think if you have professional people working there whether they're communications people PR people legal experts they're probably non-GA people they're the ones who should be helping them through this situation so who's but, who's the person now that makes the decision or what committee makes the decision that pocket weave is allowed to be used now so I think what they're going to say is that because the game itself is not a competitive match and that all the players playing in it are retired players. Oh, I get that. Who, it's who, a char- who, who, but who it's makes the decision though? Who, who it, the, management, the management committee which consists of the, um, province, the, the chairman of the provinces, the art steward, Tom Ryan, yeah. and the president. Okay, so there's six people who are fairly high up yeah. that, that could have made the decision already but now they're yeah. at least they're meeting about it. But okay, they're right. meeting as a management committee and then they're calling a special meeting of the central... Yeah. <laughs> you know, know. to recommend to yeah. them so yeah. I think it's just oh going to get Lord. done but look yeah it's these governance structures is what is what un, un, undoes a lot of good work when something arises yeah. they're not flexible enough to to respond and I think that's the issue with the GA now the GA 50 years ago the same structures were, were in place Correct. that was fine it wasn't a commercial entity it wasn't being no. run like a business no. it didn't have Facebook <laughs> didn't have Facebook didn't have Twitter there was no yeah. social media like it didn't have these kind of things didn't happen whereas now they're in this world it's so dynamic things are changing on a constant basis people are standing up to the GEA and the powers that be and it's not set up to deal with change Correct. it can't respond to change quickly yeah. and as an organisation whether you're a business or a club or a sports if you can't respond to change you get left behind and the GA aren't, I don't think they're going to get left behind no. but they have to become a bit more agile correct yeah I agree with that name yeah yeah so look the right thing is happening it'll probably be announced later this week that this is happening in Parky Cueve which is great but it's just sad and it's sad I feel for I feel for Lee Miller his family and all that that they're going through all this kind of thing as well when they're you know it just unnecessary hardship for everyone involved the, the, the only the, the good thing about the Lee Miller thing now is it's got so much publicity they're going to sell out Parky Cueve now do you know what yeah. I mean so on the flip side you might have only got 20,000 of Parky Cueve if this didn't happen because it's got so much national media attention now you'll sell out Parky Cueve which is 50,000 now so actually yeah. it could be a positive thing for the family even though they have to listen through all this yeah. crack uh, that, that's going on yeah no I think look it's going to end up with the right thing happening but like we said uh, there's serious lessons to be learned for the GA not just on this particular issue but over the last three months once how they've handled a lot of things and I think hopefully there will be some internal dialogue around that and we'll see a more forward facing and more agile association going forward mm. into into the, into the new year so look, we might leave that one there and we'll just come back next and wrap up I talk to God as much as I talk to Satan cause I want to hear both sides does that make me cynical there are no miracles and this is no miraculous life I savor hate as much as I crave love because I'm just a twisted guy. Is this the pinnacle? Is this the pinnacle? The pinnacle of being alive. 
Lads, we're Saturday afternoon now. Countdown's on. A few more hours to the first All Ireland semi final. That's the strange thing about being in Australia is the day of a match. Like I know, like people aren't, aren't even up yet. Yeah. Like you know, like you'll be looking forward to the Cork match yeah. tomorrow night, Sean. You'll get up probably with the kids at six or seven tomorrow morning. Yeah. You'll be up until one o'clock before the match starts. <laughs> it's such a long day. Whereas yeah. because you were in Boston, in Harvard, we've all seen the Instagram posts. We've all got the t-shirts now as well. <laughs> but you got to watch. The Kilkenny Limerick match at ten o'clock in the morning in Boston. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, you just have to get up and throw on the iPad and you're, you're, you know, you're it's yeah. so nice watching the games either either in the morning or the actual time in Ireland. But watching yeah. them over here, you're <laughs> waiting all day for them to come around. Look, I know that's a real kind of long wait, right? Yeah. First world problem, but um, <laughs> it it it's a long day as a GA supporter in, in Australia waiting for the games at night. But in other news, in the, I suppose GA circles this week, we have a new Waterford manager giggles, Pat Ryan. Pat Ryan's going to be confirmed by all accounts. Yeah, I think Paddy Power has stopped taking bets, which is a, a sure sign that he's he, he's been... I, I don't know who was on the actual management committee they put forward, but they seem to have done well. Um, Sean Power was probably being tipped. He was the under-21 guy and the minor manager when they won the All-Ireland. So I don't know, was he considered or not? But from from what I hear about Pat Ryan in Sarsfield's um, circles, he brought them to county finals in 12 and 14. I actually played against Pat in a challenge match blown ballied up when we played Sarsfields before um, he's won an All-Ireland midfield for Cork in 99 he's, yeah. he's got a great reputation it'll be interesting because looking at the guy and looking at his mannerisms on the field I don't know him now but he seems to be very different from Derek McGrath he's more of an introvert yeah. he's probably a little bit more old school he'd be very much the Cork hurling tradition yeah. type person so uh, I think for the current crop of players I think Derek McGrath and Dan and the guys have done an amazing job and they they got within a goal of, of their ultimate goal, winning that Ireland, but they just didn't get across the line. But they've got as far as any Waterford team has in the past 60 years. Will will this current team now flourish under a Pat Ryan style, maybe more direct hurling um, with Hartley and Flynn involved? H- who knows? Time will tell, I guess. But he, he, it seems to be a good appointment. Excited about it? I think you're, you're spot on, in you? Like, uh, just what I know of Pat Ryan, he's yeah. been near, been parish. I mean, I've met him a few times. But... Uh, he is he is very much a traditionalist, and he'd be all about you know hurling. He'd be, which is kind of interesting as well because the past few Cork managers have been down in Waterford. Jeremy McCarthy, Justin McCarthy have all done very good things with Waterford hurling. Um, midfielders as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he probably will will make an impact. I think he will bring in that style of, you know, <clears throat> throw the shoulders back. You know, direct hurling. I think he'd be that kind of a guy. Um, he, the game has gone a lot on a long, a long time since he's been playing, but he's more of a modern kind of fella as well. So um, yeah, I don't think he'll have the the Derek McGrath managerial approach, but uh, I think it'll be a good thing. I, I, I'd be just a bit worried. Um, I, I think they still need to beef up their backroom team a bit because what what Flynn and Hartley won't have. They've obviously were one of the best the players best players that ever played for Waterford, but I'm not sure. 
like what there would be like strategically in game plan management piece like you would have a Paul Canark in Clare for example so or, or, or the, the puck out strategist so I think they'll probably you've got three traditionalists there together Fergal Hartley Paul Flynn and Pat Ryan and it'll just be interesting to get their mind frame and thoughts from a kind of a game plan perspective because you can see now with Michael Donoghue and with Clare yeah. and with Limerick the whole game plan piece you can't you have to be hugely dynamic and so specific so it'll be interesting to see I, I i i think it'll be a good appointment i'm not sure whether sean power would have been the right appointment because he probably knows the two the players too well and maybe the players just need at this stage where they knew Derek mcgrath very well they would have known sean power very well maybe they just need a new voice coming in with a total different perspective to kind of rejig maybe how they yeah. think about the game i think I, I think it'll be a good appointment no i think it will be and look it, it's, it will be a fresh approach for those players because there's very good players down in war that warford set up at the moment i think they need they need forwards at the moment as well as well as a beef of the backroom team. I think they need a couple of forwards as well before they go. But we'll we'll see. That's next yeah, year. Yeah. Next year's a long way away. It's going to be a long winter for Waterford. And Kilkenny. Yeah, a little bit shorter for Kilkenny. They'll be coming out to Australia now in a few months' time. So we're <laughs> looking, looking forward to that. <laughs> but, um, can't get rid of them. Yeah, can't get rid of them, exactly. But look, I think we might leave it there for today. Um, today's show was brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. And also visit the G'day GA online shop on the O'Neill's website. So if you do a search, G'day GA O'Neill's into Google, it'll bring up the shop. Shawnee is sporting one of the beautiful um, zip-up tops, half-zip tops. Um... Are you happy with it, Shani? Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. not a big man for wearing gear, but you said you I wear you can't no, well, you won't I'm, take that off. I'm in my Gdea GA role, so I'm gonna wear the merchandise. You're always on <laughs> that O'Neill's have yeah. kindly sponsored us. Lovely well, so. people at O'Neill's. Lovely yeah. people at O'Neill's. I see you're wearing a Tommy Bow number. Tommy Bow number, yeah. Look, I've also got a deal with Tommy Bow, so <laughs> I have to kind of share it around. But um, look, thanks very much for having us today, Giggles. No worries, lads. Shani, thanks for coming along. No bother, lads. And we'll be back next week, hopefully, to review two cracking games that we're expecting hopefully to live up to expectations preview to an All-Ireland final who will be there who will be there soon to be determined okay have a good one talk to you soon